pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you like what you hear and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. <laughs> Almost forgot the frequency. It's all go this evening, isn't it? You didn't know how the mics worked. A bit confusing. I should explain. Uh, we're a video game radio show and I should explain. There's about, how many mics are there in the room? There's three, Loads of mics. six, and they're, they're everywhere. It's like uh, we, uh, it's like inside an Alexa, isn't it? Always listening. <laughs> so, this is what I assume it looks like. Uh, who are you? Mics. My name is Stephen James Curran. Is that with a V or a PH? PH. I'm Simon Byron. Any middle? John. John. Yeah. John of the 70s. Uh, so I'm Simon John. My sister Samantha Jane. Because oh. that was cute in the 70s. Jane and John. John Along and with lead poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Asbestos. <laughs> <Et cetera>, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Simpler times. Uh, we've, we, we don't have an Anne. We don't have an Anne. We almost had an Anne, didn't we? We came very, so very close, close to having an Anne. If you were following the Anne live on the maps, <laughs> she was approaching going, Resonance HQ. Beep, beep, oh, she's beep, coming tonight. Tonight's going to be a show beep. with all three of them. Uh oh. Yeah, uh, yeah she, she, uh, she had to bail. Mm, she had to bail, but hopefully she's bailed in positive circumstance. <laughs> Uh, so best, best wishes. Yeah, exactly. Scantlebury. Hope we see you next week. How are you, though, Steve? I'm good. Uh, had a busy week. Uh, been, been playing some video games, which will Hooray. help today. Uh, otherwise, I've been doing a lot of research. What are you up to? I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to make something about Victorian Britain. Okay. So I've been researching 1837 South London. I've been researching a woman called Mrs. Graham and her adventures around the area. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure we will talk more about this project in future weeks until I get bored of it and we never hear of it again. Fair enough. Good. Uh, what about you? What have you been up to? I knew you were going to ask that, and uh, the truth is, I can't remember. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Good. Well, if and you that's can't remember, it. that's 
that's probably good. Uh, yeah, the older you get, you know, you get to work on a Monday. Have a good weekend. Yeah, I did. Yeah, what did you do? Don't know. Time passed. Yeah. Um, I was chatting to my uh, boy at the weekend, though, and I said, hey, you've been listening to uh, One Life Left, because uh, you're trying to set him up on his mm. phone, etc. He said, um, he said, no, I haven't. I said, no, what, why not? He said, he said this, all you do is talk about politics. <laughs> and I said, well, you're going to love this week, then, because we've got Nicholas Lovell on the show. Hello. Hello, Nicholas. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You're here to talk about politics. And video games. And your book. Things. And my book. When Nicholas arrived, you see the amount of paper he got out of his case. Look at this. He's the most prepared I've ever seen a guest. He's got those little red little, uh, what what do you call those things? Tabs. Tabs. Little tabs. It's like that we could do uh, writing on computers, but I prefer to do it old-fashioned. Okay, good. I have fountain pens. I have little yellow stickies. That's how I write. You are all set. When was the last time you were on the show, Nicholas? Well, I think... I'm trying to remember. I was definitely on here when The Curve came out, which was 2013. Okay. And I think I've been on once since then. How but was I was trying to remember uh, when that was. How was The Curve? Was it successful? There's a question. Uh, it, I enjoyed writing it. It made me some money. Yes, it was successful. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> In that case, great. Well, we're going to find out what you're up to next after The Curve. During the news, evidently. <laughs> It's 7.04 on Monday, 6th of November. I'm Anne Scanterbury. I'm just reading what it says here. And this is the news. UK website Trusted Reviews have paid £1 million as a settlement after publishing an article with leaked Red Dead Redemption 2 information in February. Trusted Reviews said in the article that it got information in August 2017 but decided not to publish it as it was unsubstantiated then. In place of the article is now an apology reading. We should have known this information was confidential and should not have published it. We unreservedly apologise to Take-Two Games and we have undertaken not to repeat such actions again. Rockstar, who is owned by Take-Two, has asked that the money be given to three charities. The American Indian College Fund, the American Prairie Reserve and the First Nations Development Institute. End. No joke there. Mm. Why have they? Why have they chosen those charities? Uh, presumably to tie in with Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah. It's important to people who live in Edinburgh that they support these charities. Mm. I wonder, uh, have they been under any kind of pressure uh, about the content of Red Dead? Uh, that's a good question. Not that I've seen. No, me neither. Well, then maybe it's anticipatory. It goes deeper than this. Then interesting. Uh, this was really interesting. I've never seen anything like this no. before ever. I didn't even know it wasn't allowed. <laughs> exactly. Is it, if it's illegal to not to, 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 to write or say something you're not supposed to, we are in trouble. <laughs> We're in trouble. Delete the archives. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously a lot's been going on behind the scenes about this, but, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, trust the reviews in my mind. I mean, I, you know, I, I come across them now and again. Mm-hmm. How can they afford to pay a million pounds? No idea. How do they make? Nowhere work? I've, I've ever worked has been would be able to uh, pay a million pounds no. for something I'd done. And so I, I don't really understand where. So does trusted reviews do trusted reviews? <laughs> is that it? I mean, what's the site? Is it well, a, a tech stick to website? reviews rather than yeah, news? Quite. <laughs> That's what I, 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 right. I don't understand. Apparently, I, I think are they owned by Condé Nast. Did, right. that, did that come that out? That would be how they can pay for yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Vogue um, is paying for it. Right. Um, but yeah, very, very strange. Mm. 
somebody there must have been a paper trail somewhere where the source of the information somebody had actually signed a thing and broken that agreement so there was some it wasn't an ordinary leak it was something where they could go back and say this happened so we think it was an NDA maybe nobody's ever been sued under an NDA well that's what I thought like ever so it must be something worse than an NDA so if someone tells if someone under an NDA or worse or a non-disclosure agreement what what is a what's worse than an RNDA an (laughs) an RNDA someone under a uh, an RNDA um, tells Simon Byron of byronnews.com uh, like set, tells them something you're not allowed to publish that no unless it's gonna cost but what if you pounds. don't know if it's they must have known that it was under an RNDA the person if you get told something with somebody under NDA and then you publish it it's the person under NDA who's yeah. the problem not you you got told this without knowing it was secret there is the issue line in there they said but we should have known so how did the oh. lawyers prove that causal chain right. not a lawyer I'm afraid no I um, uh, the, the, obviously I sign a lot of NDAs in my <laughs> line of work um, can't tell you about them though but uh, the one that I remember being the most interesting was uh, when I was working with the BBC on the Doctor Who video games with Charles Cecil. He was the doctor then. <laughs> he wasn't. Uh, we went down to see the TARDIS uh, in Wales. And uh, this was before it had been announced. It was Matt Smith's TARDIS from uh, the 11th uh, series. And um, we went to the studio in Wales um, and we had to hand in our phone. Our phones had to, to be locked up. And we had to sign a document which said uh, it would be illegal for us to tell anybody about what we'd done. This was then. I'm assuming that's fine now, Nicholas, is it? We've all seen Matt Smith's TARDIS, haven't we? I think so. But I also, think so. There's something about when it enters the public domain, you're all right. Okay. So you're probably and, all right now. And then it would be... Not a lawyer. It would be also illegal to hear that information. And then you'd be like, well, how can some? How can you stop hearing it? Somebody, <laughs> we're just going to go around telling people. Maybe we misread it. I don't know. Idea Xbox has published its 1,000th game. Xbox's indie self-publishing program has been going for five years. It's designed to make it as easy as possible for indie developers to publish their games on Xbox One. According to ID Xbox boss Chris Charler, developers who have published through the program have now received over a billion dollars. And over 3,000 studios have Xbox One developer kits. Again, I mean, you, yeah, you were right to leave the music going there because you'd, you'd expect a joke, wouldn't mm. you? End. <laughs> That's good though. What a milestone. Thousand games. What's a billion divided by a thousand? A million. Thanks. <laughs> Everyone's got a million dollars. Obviously not. Three people have made bucket loads of money and everybody else is broke. <laughs> uh, was was Minecraft under the idea at Xbox? It might, yeah, it was. Mm. Okay, well, so, that's all the money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good. Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant programme. Um, it's changed a lot in those five years. We can all remember uh, those early successes. Can't we? I'm, trying, I'm getting confused with XBLA now. <laughs> uh, so the so what was I going to say? I can't remember. I was uh, sorry. I was thrown off by your. Were you trying to remember an early Xbox? I was. Game. I was thrown off by an Xbox that. title. Uh, for a long time, I thought it was id at Xbox oh. because I got so into the habit of id being right. being id. Why is it called ID? Indie developers, indie developers at Xbox. There Good. Go. Wait, wait, watch the. Maybe there was an <laughs> IP infringement issue too. IP at Xbox. Right. Great. <laughs> Um, oh, that's what I was going to say. It's not just the program that's changed in five years. The industry's changed in five years, too. Okay. 
Was that <laughs> intended to be some kind of joke? I don't know. No, it was meant to be an, a lead into a conversation about well, when it came through. I was just trying to think. Uh, yeah, so I was saying we can all remember those early ones, but I'm thinking of Braid. Um, I was talking about Shadow Complex earlier. That was World um, of Goo. Right. Was that one of theirs? Sounds was like it? World of Goo. It was definitely that era of super, those early Super Meat Boy sort of. Yeah, song. exactly that era. Mm. And that was an era when it seemed as if everybody was going, suddenly, it was great, these markets are opening up, it's going to be great to be an indie because I can get to market. And then it turns out what all the indie developers really wanted was to be allowed onto these platforms and then shut the door on everybody else behind That's them. Right. And that didn't happen. And now we've got a thousand games on this, we've got more than that on Steam each well, year. Well, exactly. I was going to say, though, so a thousand over five years, you'd get a thousand in five weeks on Steam. Yeah, exactly. And increasingly so- on Switch. Yeah, there are 40 or 50 games now a week. We should chart this. Week by week, switch number update. Right. Loads. Okay, well, let's hope that Anne comes back. Fortnite has been downloaded on nearly half of all Nintendo Switches. Nintendo has sold 22.86 million Switches so far, which, which means around 11 million Fortnite downloads on the platform. Two million fans also tuned into YouTube to watch the massive purple cube, nicknamed Kevin, explode in the game. Another 1.5 million watched on Twitch. This is a news story to remind you that Fortnite is still a big thing. Interesting that uh, we need a news story to remind us that. I have actually heard less about, f- sorry, fewer about Fortnite <laughs> in the last in the last sort of month. Where have you been, Steve? Where have you been? You've not been charting the movements of the Purple Cube. You've not been seeing the zombies appear. I guess what I mean is I've seen <laughs> you don't fewer, have a 10-year-old son. fewer 10-year-olds flossing right. um, recently. Okay. We walked past, uh, Dexter and I were out shopping yesterday. We walked past two guys. One was wearing Floss Champ. Hmm. Uh, official Fortnite um, jumper, which you can buy from Primark these days, Nicholas. Wow. Imagine. Did you guys talk about the attempt to get dances copyrighted in such a way that Fortnite would have to pay for them? We did, didn't mm, we? We did, a few weeks ago, I think. It was very interesting. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe really there's well no, no more dances coming out anymore because uh, people who are inventing them are trying to stop Epic from using them. Is Minecraft still a thing? Yes. It is. Is it as big a thing as it was five years ago? My kids have a Minecraft club. They don't have a Fortnite club. There we go. How old are kids? Uh, Seven and... Ah, she's eight. I'll be in trouble. She's listening, Lucy. I'm really sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And Alistair's going to be ten this weekend, so happy birthday. Well, they're too young to be playing Fortnite, of course, aren't they? They're not playing Fortnite, that's true. They're playing Minecraft. Right, Mm. good. So none of you tuned in on Sunday? No? No, To see that happening? I missed it, unfortunately. I was there for the previous one when the missile took off. Okay, how did it make you feel? It's really exciting to have a game where you know... Are you, are you playing Fortnite? Only with Dexter. Okay. When he want, when he gets a bit bored of me being in a Mario Kart, uh, he wants to shoot me in Playgrounds mode. They turn Playgrounds off um, on Sunday. Mm. Playgrounds is the, the, um, the mode of Fortnite where you can go into it and not have other people shooting you. Right. So it's nicer. And so they turned it off at the weekend when kids can play? No, they turned it off on Sunday because uh, they wanted everybody to be in an actual game when the event happened at 6pm our time. So it's not Sunday. every weekend, it was just for this just event. Just for this one event, yeah. And, um, so is this what Peter Molyneux wanted to do with Curiosity, was to make something as big as this, but Fortnite managed to make it happen? I don't know. Did he have the idea for Fortnite? No, he had, he had the, the idea for a cube. He had the idea for a cube. Oh, I see, but, of course. Yeah, exactly. Right. Get the reference. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm guessing so. Uh, he didn't call it Kevin, though, did he? <laughs> he went wrong. Um, but but I'm, I'm curious about what we think as a group the lifespan of Fortnite will be, because, I, I mean, they assume it's going to be infinite, and we all think everything will live forever, right? But I, I, I think I've perceived a decline in the amount of Minecraft content around i don't know if that's true 
And I'm sure Fortnite is still, it sounds like, on the way up. But I do wonder uh, whether, you know, this time next year we'll still be talking about it because we don't talk about fidget spinners anymore. <laughs> we, used to have a, we used to have a whole section on this. <laughs> One Life Left fidget, fidget spinner update. Fidget tricks. Yeah. There is a um, free-to-play principle that every that peak revenue comes after three years. So wow. um, life cycle then de- ooh, declines, after, declines after that. Um, but I'm trying to remember, it's not from the day it emerges into everybody's consciousness, it's from the day it comes out. So, okay. mm. so, where, so where do we start with Fortnite then, given that I think it saved the world I think initially. it had to be the Battle Royale. Okay. And it had to be the thing that became the free-to-play thing. So that's year zero. So we've still got, still, got, still got some time to go, if that's right. Now, this one came up faster than usual, so maybe it will fall faster than usual. But that's what they normally say. I think we need you to do a sort of weather forecast style thing uh, with, uh, you know, a cold front approaching Fortnite. And finally, I know she's only done four. What? And finally, a fire-breathing drone in the shape of Spyro the Dragon is making a journey from New York to LA to deliver Snoop Dogg a copy of Spyro Reignited Trilogy. This is the future we were warned about. Snoop responded to Spyro's I'm back tweet saying, you, my little nephew at Spyro the Dragon looking straight two exclamation marks bring me that new Spyro reignited trilogy hashtag Spyro <laughs> underscore partner hashtag Spyro to Snoop that sort of gives it away doesn't it Sp- hashtag Spyro underscore partner and now the drone is on its way but it's made a few stops on the way let's see how easy this is Siri tweet bring me that Neko Atsumi VR game hashtag C-A-T-S to O-L-L end what a ridiculous story. <laughs> What's the nearest you've been to Snoop Doggy Dog physically? How close have you been? There I, is a point to the story, yeah, obviously, you can tell. I don't, don't know, and I imagine neither does he. I, about eight feet from me. I was standing at E3, minding my own business, testing out a game, and he walked past with his entourage, and this guy who was like six feet wide just faced me into the um, into the thing because I was too close to the man. I didn't even see him. Right, just I've, using I've literally device. embraced him. You've literally embraced him. Okay, you win. You win. I don't know if I do. <laughs> circumstances. How did he feel? How did he smell? Oh, soft. Softer than I expected, okay. actually. Um, he... He was tall. He smelled exactly how I expected. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say about that story? Oh, no, I was going to say about the next story that we don't have. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised we haven't covered the uh, the Blizzard news and the reaction to the Blizzard I'm news. I'm surprised as well. In fact, I'm, dis- I'm surprised and disappointed, Steve. Can we can we praise it in a, in a, if I go kick on, off then. the jingle again? Hold on one second. There we go. And finally... Everybody's very angry. So cross. That a game that was announced was not the game they wanted to be announced. Uh, Blizzard at BlizzCon announced a mobile version of Diablo and did not announce Diablo 4, as they told everybody beforehand. (laughs) Nonetheless, that hasn't stopped everybody from being very angry about it. People have been disgraceful, haven't they, about this. Uh, There was an awful video that went around the internet of someone calling them out going is this a, is this a late april fools joke <laughs> uh i mean uh it was it was disappointing but not surprising that reaction i guess do you think they were surprised at it well of course they were yeah i bet they they clearly misjudged the temperature mm. there didn't they um yeah i mean to their credit they did say we won't be announcing diablo 4 yep. but you know 
if you do manufacture your own event for announcements, I don't, I don't think you can be surprised if people are expecting a massive announcement, and that you know, I'm not, I'm not justifying the reaction at all. Mm-hmm. But you know, this, this, I, I don't think that this is uh, complete, should be completely unexpected. I think maybe what you can do is, as you say, m- misjudge the temperature, and perhaps internally you can all be super excited about something so excited uh, that you lose sight of how the public might feel or just misjudge how the public But then might people feel. talk about how they could have mitigated this and they were talking, well actually you should use the example of uh, Bethesda who announced um, Elder Scrolls on mobile but then to shut everybody up they just put a <laughs> logo up of a future game no time scale and everyone's like oh phew <laughs> phew that's still happening then it was a bit similar to turn off your caps lock uh, <laughs> Nintendo the last Nintendo thing uh, when they they were all like okay one more thing and they brought up the Animal Crossing character. I forgot her, her name. <laughs> That's good, though. That's really good, yeah. <laughs> they brought up uh, the Animal Crossing character, and I was like, they're doing it. They're actually doing it. And then they were like, it's coming to Smash Brothers. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I was genuinely on Twitter writing my all caps, like, this is disgraceful. And then, but I take quite a while to compose a tweet because it's got to be perfect. Of course it does. And by the time I'd got it ready to send, they got to the end of the thing, which said, also new Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's a shame you, you didn't it. send it. That's yeah. how you do it. All right, is that it? That's it. One life left video game news with Listening to One Life Left in Resonance 104.4 FM. It's 20 minutes past seven. It's November the 5th. Remember, remember. It's 13 degrees centigrade out there. Did you just make that up? That's no, true. Okay, just checking. Did you, did you get that from your smartwatch? It's, it's on my phone. Oh. Always on display, thanks very much. You, you know, mine does the same thing, but I don't think I've ever used it once. No. Because I tell the temperature with my skin. Okay. Well, then why didn't you tell everybody how hot it was? I just assume they all knew. Put your top on, by the way, as well. <laughs> <laughs> I often wonder why you do that. Just in case, just in <laughs> case. We're a video game radio show. We talk about video games as we have just done. And we have spectacular video game guests, as we are about to do. N. Lovell. Hello. Subject of a Marioki song. <laughs> as true. I discovered earlier today, I'm scared by this. How, how do you feel about that? 
I'd like to hear it, obviously. Still sing, sing it, it Still sing it for you now. <laughs> uh, I won't do that. Okay. But I will, I'll capture you a video of me singing it <laughs> later. That would be uh, fantastic. I'm sure there are some videos online of it being sung. Huey somewhere. Lewis in the news, The Power of Lovell. Yeah. I didn't even know it existed. This Not too many people have got their own mariachi songs. I was about songs. to say, Charles Cecil. Rami. Rami. Oh, um, uh, the guy who is the game academic who was on the radio show at GDC and we showed him the song okay. at the end of the podcast and he went, hmm. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Was that Ian Bogost? No, not him. That, I could imagine that reaction from Ian Bogost. He rides a penny farthing through the streets. Is, this, is that a lyric? Yeah, that's what I know about. Okay. Anyway. He wrote, he wrote the... Jesse Shell Jesse wrote the art of game design. Okay. Yeah, you can't call him just an academic. He's like a, he was an Imagineer at Disney. He's like a game designer extraordinaire. Highway to hell. Hi to Jesse Shell. Without <laughs> seeing him. Talking of books. Hello. <laughs> so uh, I brought one with me. Yeah, you it's have. Not have you? It's not, so that's uh, what is a book before it's a book collection of. It's, it's just that, isn't it? And lots of pages. Lots of pa- how many pages is that? Uh, I'll have to look that up. I don't know. 325 pages. I get paid by the page. I don't get paid by the page at all. Uh, Let's recap then. What was the curve about? The curve was about giving away stuff for free and still making money. It was inspired by video games, obviously, because free-to-play games have been a big thing since 2008 in the West and much longer uh, in the Far East. And that model works across so many so many areas giving stuff away through well there's like things like kickstarter enabling super fans do you know i wasn't expecting to talk about the curve i was all prepared to talk about no, that's fine. We are going to come on to that. for five years it's about how do you find your audience how do you keep talking to them and how do you give them reasons to spend lots of money with you and that applies to pretty well any industry well, i was going to say actually if you join the preparation call for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> listeners that's an in joke uh, <laughs> um given that we mentioned earlier how, how far the industry moves. Is, is it still relevant? The contents of the curve is what? Is, how would you update it now? The big thing that's changed is the importance of free is less important than the importance of continuing communication with people. We have so many video games now which aren't free to begin with, but they're still five year on kind of development. Somebody put out recently an analysis of the number of games that the big publishers are putting out each year: Electronic Arts, Activision, and so on. And the number of releases are collapsing. I mean, it's, I'm trying to remember the numbers. That was something like EA put out 22 in 2013 and they're putting out nine this year. Right. I'd have to wow. check those numbers, yeah. but it's like a, it's a really big fall. And the reason for that is that EA, uh, is that FIFA uh, 19 with Ultimate Team makes them $800 million in ongoing service revenue. So they're looking for those service revenues from every single game. It's so expensive to create a new franchise. It's so expensive to get people into your game that all the publishers are trying to focus on getting you into the game and keeping you there even if it's paid, even if it's Overwatch, even if it's Destiny and, and so on. So fewer bets that last for longer, okay. which is really bad news if you're somebody who loves narrative games, who loves <laughs> story-driven games, who loves quirky games, because those things are hard to get people to pay money month in, month out. Right. Uh, so you see, you were responsible for Ultimate Team because of the curve. They, they read that <laughs> so I could see where this is going. Oh, if only, if only. <laughs> Tell us about your next book. So my next book is a game design book. So the curve was aimed at the sort of general uh, market of anybody who wants to run a business and connect with consumers. The pyramid of game design is much more focused on people who make video games for a living. And I'm trying to formalise something which lots of game developers have known for years but don't entirely have a language for. for. We have that bit of the game that you play over and over again. The map 
match three game, the death match, the endless run, whatever it is, which I'm calling the base layer. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the bit that all the bit that adds up together, the narrative or the progression system or the whatever, which is often called the meta game, but it's not meta because meta's outside a game. Yeah. That's an <laughs> etymological issue. So I'm pulling out the retention layer. Okay. And then for the really, the ones which go on to be uh, amazingly... Uh, have a lot of longevity and make a lot of money the, whether or not it's Clash of Clans or EVE Online or whatever there's a super fan layer which is a subset of people who are so heavily engaged within that game that they kind of don't play any other games that's the only thing they play and one of my problems when you asked me to think about what games am I playing is it's Hearthstone it's been Hearthstone for three years and this is a big problem because I need to play more games but Hearthstone keeps absorbing me in because okay. of its, uh, its retention layer and super fan layer so every game has those three layers? no not at all Okay. Uh, you don't need to have them uh, you can absolutely have games which are um, essentially just the base layer I'm digging back here but all cl- classic arcade games are essentially just the base layer they do have some retention when not to get a high score or complete more levels but they were all about putting a quarter in the slot uh, narrative driven games absolutely do but narrative is incredibly expensive one of the problems in this world and I separately we can talk about ethics and loot boxes if you want to have a whole chapter on, okay. on ethics uh, but one of the, the core arguments is that it's not that free to play in these things are changing the industry it's that the environment changed everything went free digital easy to distribute and so on and free to play is a response to those changes your question which was does every game have to have this it doesn't if you want to be a you know billion dollar a year game yes i think you need to have these components yeah that's a bit strong in the week in which Red Dead Redemption came out, which is a paid <laughs> game, which isn't a service game, and made more money than any other game ever in the history of everything. $750 million in its first week, wasn't Apparently it? that's disappointing, according to some. <laughs> exactly, well... I would like to be disappointed. Yeah, exactly, like can you imagine? Um, who's the book aimed at, then? Is it, is, it, is it people already making games, those who want to get into the industry? It would, well, the primary audience, actually, is people who's... The primary audience, when I'm trying to think about how to make a living from this, uh, is big companies who've made product-based games, i.e. boxed games, and are trying to make this switch towards making service-based games. One of the big things which emerged from this is the importance of the session, the single time you go into the game and then you leave the game. Uh, mobile games have often been called snackable games. Toilet games is how some people refer to them, because they have really short sessions. You shouldn't eat on the toilet. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they also, uh, but that's missing the point, that it might be a game that has a relatively short session but you're playing it for days and weeks and months and years Hearthstone is in theory a, a mobile game so what I'm trying to do at the at the end where I'm trying to make a living from it for the consultancy work and so on it's aimed at big studios who are trying to make that transition but also I write because I want this stuff to be out there I want this stuff to be accessible to independent developers to indies to students to people who just are starting out in this world and a lot of our game design courses are still a little bit behind in this thinking they're really focused on getting people jobs in AAA studios and there are fewer jobs in AAA studios than there used to be. You're more likely to end up having to do something in a smaller studio where understanding a broader spectrum of how the industry works is more important than you might have been 10 years ago when these things started out. So I agree with that. And I teach uh, game design at a university. Oh <laughs> I was thinking this. Yeah. So be careful. You were glancing Thanks at me. Thanks for coming, you were Nicholas. Making We've got gestures few, go, get him. We get have him. a few questions. <laughs> um, I think a lot of what you say is it makes a lot of sense. And I love this this idea of coming up with a language to define those layers, which I talk about a lot um, as loops, and you have your small loop, which you're talking yes. about the as sorry, what was your the base uh, layer, the base layer, um, 
And the size of the base layer kind of varies because you talk about, um, if you talk about a narrative game, that base layer is very, very thin. You're just walking around and perhaps trigger, hitting triggers and yes, stuff. Yes, absolutely. But your retention layer is much larger because, uh, you know, but your retention layer in Defender is not huge, right? It's exactly that. Right. It's exactly that. So I love that language. Um, what Your third layer... Um, the superfan layer. Yeah, the superfan layer seems to be the thing that uh, is threatening the narrative games, right? Yes, it's it's not just the super fan layer, but it is the fact that a free to play game or a service based game needs in order to be successful to be endless, mm-hmm. and a narrative that is endless risks being extremely dull or right. not reading resolution. Although tell that to Coronation Street or um, <laughs> uh, or EastEnders. Well, I agree with that too. And where is our first game soap opera coming from? I guess I guess we we've got soap operas that are based on endless games that are being delivered on YouTube uh, in narrative things there. But have you played episode in any way, or, or the stories, you, uh, choices, the stories you tell? Uh, yes, I have played episode, <laughs> and maybe that's why I was getting recommended those games that I talked about <laughs> earlier. Uh, yeah, I have played episode, and I, I get it, and thought it was clever, and was actually. Sorry, I diverted. We're tangenting. <laughs> that conversation will take forever. What I want to know is, you sound quite torn on... You're a, you're a Hearthstone player, a single, I am. a single gamer, a single player gamer, a single game player. Yes, right. and, and uh, I know at least two, two of my friends who have cold turkeyed on Hearthstone just because they, weren't, they, they enjoyed it so much mm. that they weren't getting the experiences from other, other games. So they, the only way they could figure out to actually go and play the other amazing games out there is to put this game down and refuse to play it. But it and al- I've tried twice and failed. It also sounds like you're, you, know, you are... Uh, you're not happy that we are maybe stand to lose some of the narrative focus of video games or you you torn on this so i'm definitely torn on it yeah. uh, i am not particularly strong on the narrative driven elements of the game uh-huh. I, I care more about achievement and progression than i care about storytelling sure. and immersion i like idle games which are described as role-playing games without all of that pointless story and lore <laughs> behind them just the progression the leveling up cleanly isolated Clickers. yeah exactly yeah i am I'm, I'm very very weak to those exactly because like i like danger. i like the progression stuff exactly so i am torn but i'm torn i mean i'm i'm personally torn because i like to see a diverse industry uh-huh. of many different types of yeah. genres uh, and I'm also torn because of there are the many people for whom this free to play thing of which I am obviously a big proponent um, it just makes it harder people haven't yet discovered how to do the really rich expensive narrative except occasionally you know we can get the Red Dead Redemptions we can get the GTAs we can get occasionally the Tomb Raiders and the Uncharted's but those are you know five or six a year they need to be a really big studio and the bet that you are taking the hundred million dollar plus bet on development marketing and production in order to have an uncertain future it's essentially the bigger getting bigger the the niche are getting more viable although a thousand games on id at xbox makes that progressively (laughs) less viable but the middle that's place where interesting narrative games i'm trying to remember the sort of things i'm thinking about but sort of the praise or the Mm -hmm. um uh the legacy of kane those kind of games from five ten years ago that were that worked quite well and when there was a meaningful slightly better than double a but at the low end of triple a uh if that's terminology that we can all (laughs) get across nobody quite 
knows what those means. But AAA means really expensive. Double A meant seven out of ten, uh, kind of pretty good. So double A B. Yes, exactly. Uh, so it's all it's all that stuff. It's just much harder than it used to be. And where we're getting narrative, it tends to be in in sort of slightly odd places. Whether or not it's, I mean, it's the indie scene is doing more narrative. Mm. Whether or not it's the walking simulators. Whether or not it's the cultist simulator or or, or you know uh, fallen um, fail better games games mm. like Ford and London and yeah. which rebranded Thunder Seas. It's often not for profit narrative, but that's the nature of of art sometimes, right? You you know you write the great novel and then no one buys it, but it still exists. Exactly, and there's that. There was change the subject a little bit. There was that whole kind of don't go into video games for the money uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and somebody going, but hold on, that's in any other creative industry, you wouldn't tell somebody write books for the money, right. um, paint for the money. You paint because you need to paint, and mm-hmm. then if you're any good at it, you have a chance mm-hmm. of being successful. But it's a pretty bloody hard chance. And games is a bit like that, which has its problems because that means that only rich kids get to do this thing which is bad in its own right and so we are going more and more in that direction there are counters it is still possible to reach an audience it is still possible to keep the uh, costs low it is still possible to do freelancers from europe although not for long <laughs> uh, to keep your prices um uh, to keep your prices low to work with people across all sorts of uh, skill sets and uh, from different parts of the world so uh, is it is this a physical book or is it, it will be a physical book it will be a physical book the only reason i have it here in paper is because it was due to come out on the 7th of november which is Wednesday, yeah, and I haven't finished it yet. So, <laughs> so when will it so, be out then? I don't know. My publisher won't tell me. Wow. They still say it will still be out in November, but okay. I don't entirely believe them. So, if you're listening, please tell me when it will come out. And uh, available, it's available on Amazon already. Okay, good. And obviously, all other good booksellers. Best of luck with it. Thank you very uh, much. You touched on Europe there. Did you got you were on the march? I was you? absolutely on. How the march. was that? It was fun. It was fun. I've never well, I have marched before. I marched on the previous march, but in all of my life, I've never marched on anything. Okay, and, um, who was there? I marched on this one. Ian Livingston was there. So, uh, so we, we should say this was part of Games for EU. With Games for EU, so we were on the March for a People's Vote. Games for EU is an organisation of games industry people who, having done exhaustive analysis, and this is the other bit of paper I have with me, a 50-page report on yeah. the impact of Brexit on video games based on uh, the government uh, uh, published statements from yeah. both the EU and from our, our government. Um, and the conclusion is, oh my goodness, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, but you can read it yourself and form your own your own opinions. But as a result of that, I was on the uh, the March for a people's vote, a okay. chance to change our mind now that we have better information, with industry luminaries. Uh, Ian Livingston of Fighting Fancy fame was there in an yeah. EU beret. Peter <laughs> Molyneux uh, was there. There were... we've we've um, The thing for your listeners is that the games industry is writing to... Um, MPs saying, look, this is a really bad thing. We have five billion of uh, uh, revenue in the UK. We have we employ fifty thousand people directly and indirectly. The, we've got a number of reasons why the uh, a no deal Brexit would be very very bad for that, ranging from freedom of movement to staff to uncertainty over data uh, protection regulations. And I think we sort of forget that the UK is the headquarters of pretty well every major international publisher currently within Europe. Currently, exactly. So we've yeah. got the headquarters of EA, of Activision, of... Actually, EA's moved to Geneva already for tax reasons, but um, most of the others are are here, and many of the Japanese as well. There are a handful who aren't, obviously, Ubisoft is in France and so on. Nintendo. In Nintendo. Aren't they in Germany? Frankfurt, yeah. They're in Frankfurt, yeah. and I think Bandai Namco are in mm-hmm. France. So th- th- these guys are going to move, not immediately, but slowly over mm-hmm. time, when it just gets easier and easier for them to say, you know what, I've got to do a visa for the Americans to come over here, but I don't have to do a visa for all the other countries, so for all the other um, EU27 country employees, which I have. So I'll leave a small 
thing in the UK. There'll still be people here. That's not, they're not going to go away. But the headquarters are going to go away over time and our, our influence diminishes over time. Do you think uh, this sort of direct action or protest can, can, can make a difference? Now, there's, there's a question. I spent some time uh, talking to young people recently <laughs> about voting, and they said, nobody's making policies for me, so I don't bother to vote. Right. And I go, you, you've got causality the wrong way around there. It's because you don't bother to b- yeah. bother to vote yeah. that they don't bother making policies yeah. for you. And they know that old people... I'm really sorry to listen to this. I sound terribly patronising. <laughs> but um, getting out and voting really, really matters. Um, direct action is not as useful as, um, uh, as getting out to vote. But what it does do is it gives the politicians who want to make a change the political cover to believe that they have the support from the country at large yeah. to do it so we're not going to change Theresa May's mind somebody said what's the point of going Theresa May isn't going to change her mind well, you're right I'm not trying to change her mind I'm trying to make 650 MPs in Parliament understand that there is a meaningful a meaningful demand for a second vote yeah. and that the information that we have has changed meaningfully in the yeah. last two years whatever you think about the, the result we have a lot more data than we did before and when you have more data it's good to be able to respond to it um obviously this uh, this episode will be up on an archive somewhere as we hurtle towards the end of november when all the important decisions about him made what do you think is going to happen oh there's a there's a question i am terrified that a no deal is genuinely likely to happen okay. my most optimistic is that theresa may comes back with a take it or leave it deal uh, parliament manages to make a we'd like to uh Ask a friend, i.e., get, yeah. get the get the ask the audience. That's the that's the phrase, isn't it? Ask yeah. the audience. We'd like to have another vote, and somehow or other, we we grope our way towards an extension of Article 50 and a second referendum. I think more likely is that we're going to crash out in a pseudo no deal. It won't be an actual no deal, but it might be no deal for like six hours eight hours and then then kind of go hang on you know when we said we wanted that we don't want that anymore yeah yeah exactly (laughs) sounds like the purge right yes Uh, planes I mean I think we'll get there and then we'll start cobbling together deal over deal over the stuff that really needs to happen but I'm not very positive I'm afraid well uh, more credit to you guys for being on the march sadly I couldn't make it but uh, I saw the photos and obviously saw the news reports and uh, fingers crossed it makes a difference you should get people to visit games3u.com and sign our letter to MPs if you're interested in video games you should sign that letter please it's time for letters letters thank you very much for your letters this week Chris Stewart writes dear team OLL and super special guest I turned 32 yesterday and we'll be celebrating today's hangover with a good dose of one life left what a treat well it certainly hasn't been boring reading the news this week has it it's been hard to keep up between piranha plants and mobile versions of Diablo it seems like there's always something people are getting very emotional about sometimes I find it helps to just go back and play a game I know I love with no complicated feelings or outrage I love a good evening spent on the floor clutching a GameCube controller and exploring a haunted mansion do you have games that function as your happy place and what about them makes them so special to you love and kisses Chris Stewart happy place games I think a lot of games from the sort of 2001 2000 to 2002 era sorry 2000 to 2002 when I was at Edge writing about games when I played an awful lot of games but also because I think it was a genuinely quite an exciting and good time because you had the the Dreamcast or sort of middle to back end of the Dreamcast uh, and the GameCube just launching so anything that is bright and colourful and (laughs) sort of the of the triple A B level that we talked about like just makes me happy remember when I was younger it's nice 
I have anti-happy games, I think. Oh, I, I go oh, I go to them and play them, and it's Jags Alliance 2, and it's an indie Cars with Guns game called Darkwind, which is fearsomely punishing. It's like permadeath. You spend years with these characters, and then they die. And every time I play them, and my wife sees me unplaying them, she takes me aside and says, what's bothering you? Because <laughs> it's really something important. If I have to go to my happy place, it's Ultima 4, the Richard Garriott original game, which I just completed with my nine-year-old for oh, the great. first time. Nice. I didn't complete it the first time round when I was a kid, right. but he wouldn't let me give up. So um, so it's all down to manual. Thank a, you, Alistair. How does a nine-year-old react to sort of the graphical fidelity of something like Ultima 4? Uh, it totally wasn't phased by it at all. Okay. I mean, it just went, I get the game, and now he's going through it again without me. So I was playing oh, it fantastic. and he was watching it. Now that I've finished it, he's doing it himself. He doesn't fully understand, sorry, Alistair, uh, some of the questions about how you show humility in a video game from 1988, which right. is fair enough. Yeah. But um, uh, So with a tiny bit of nudging from me, uh, he's very much engaged. I don't, I don't think graphics matter. And in fact, in the last 10 years, Darkwind's not a terribly good graphics game. And the indie developer says, when I brought it out in 2011, I think everybody said the graphics are crappy every year after that fewer people have said anything about it because the world has changed and retro and games of all different things uh, different styles are now in vogue excellent steve got a letter um, I'm just putting in my Steam code so I can do a review. Fair I've enough. Got, I've got a letter. Far away, Nicholas. So this is from Robert Wells. Hello, team. Hello, SSG. I guess that's me. That's you. The other night I had an hour to kill and my Switch in my hands. I flicked through the games in front of me and everything seemed like a chore. I just wanted a burst of fun and I couldn't find a game that would deliver that. Andy Riley refers to this as having come down with nixomatosis. <laughs> what do you reach for when you just want to smile? Pip, pip, Robert. Same question. Same question, yeah. It is the same question, although I think I noticed in here that he said everything's seemed like a chore. Oh, so it's got a retention layer like free-to-play games. It's <laughs> basically a dig at free-to-play games. Uh, Mini Metro. Oh, good, yeah, good brilliant, call. Brilliant, brilliant call. That uh, Taiko drum game uh, that's up on Switch at the moment is uh, is good fun if you just want to play whilst grinning. I should mm. add to that letter in the previous one. Just realised I don't know if Mini Metro is on Switch, sorry. Uh, it is. Is it? So if I played on it iOS. Isn't, then it's on there soon. Um, Shall I do a... Go on letter? then. Okay, Morg Adams. Do right. it. Dear team and SSG, can I ask what friends over face ages are? It's just that like I've heard it in the email jingle hundreds of times. It goes, emails, messages, friends over face ages. What does it mean? Can't tell you. No, it's, no a, yeah. it's a secret. It's like, you, you, one day you'll get it. Play it backwards. backwards. <laughs> <laughs> On a game-related note, Red Dead Redemption 2 has the worst control scheme of any modern game that doesn't involve a dude in a cauldron. Anyway, I love the show. Uh, P.S., once listened to six episodes of the podcast in one sitting while I was on a catch-up. Is that a record? Well, as far as I know, it is a record. Well done for tolerating us for six hours. Yeah. Chris Stewart writes, Dear Team, OLL and SSG, I turned 32 yesterday and I will be celebrating... Oh, I've done that one. No, 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 no. Sorry, Richard Richard Stratton. Dear Super Special Team and Guest. That's a problem with similar intros, isn't Mm. it? Uh, If you met my wife and she knew you liked video games, she would very quickly tell you that she has completed Ocarina of Time. And I haven't. So she and our seven-year-old started playing Breath of the Wild. They got very frustrated with it. Every button she pressed did the wrong thing. She crouched rather than shooting an arrow. She pulled out the map rather than saving. She plunged off almost every cliff while spinning the camera in a stomach-churning way. The only reason she's progressing is because I'm slightly further into game, I'm slightly further into the game than her. But the game is making her feel stupid. She knows what she wants to do, but the game won't let her. What games make you stupid? And did you persevere? Thanks for the great radio show, Richard. Ooh, that's interesting. Games that made you feel stupid. Oh, I mean, I've talked about this on the show before, but Pixel Junk Monsters. I can't do it at all. I, I can't get off the first level of Pixel Junk Monsters. 
um, which makes no sense because apparently it's a really easy, pleasant, free to, uh, not free to play, uh, tower defense game. Can't do it. Yeah. Team Fortress 2, it's sad to say, but I stopped playing FPSs about 10 years ago and now I'm old and trying to get back into them. The bots beat me in the training thing. And they beat me the first time and I went, I can't really be bothered to try and get past this and just stopped. I think I'm coming to the um, understanding that I will never be good at Fortnite. And what, what What's different from the adults and the kids is that the kid. My first reaction when I get into a gunfight is to go like to run away. The kids build. That's the mm. first thing they do, and it's huge structures and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm never. I'm net. Those bits of my brain are not wired in the way that the young people's are. I wouldn't worry about it. It's gone in two years or something. That's so true. It's, it's fine. Mm. Thank you very much for your letters. Please do keep them coming. Team at onelifeleft.com. <laughs> One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. This song is Sticky and Stringy by Nakamaya Ramo. It's from shipmusic.org. Earlier, you heard Transfer Student by Imaginary. Uh, you can hear lots more chip music there, including the song that we played last week, called, uh, which is called No Life Left, suspiciously. Yeah. Mm. Didn't hear anything. I was expecting further communication. I was expecting another song yeah. this week and to be uploaded. Nothing. Disappointing. Nothing. I've just wanted... Uh, uh, Nicholas has left the draft of his book uh, a little close to me, Steve. Oh. Shall I check the acknowledgements and dedication page? <laughs> <laughs> is it too late to get in there, Nicholas? I'm guessing, it, I'm guessing it's not, if you've not, not finished it. It's not. Are, are you in it? Are you in it? But, and were you in the last one? I have been perpetually amazed by how many people read the acknowledgements. Well, of people course they pretty sure the didn't bit. read the book. How much of uh, how much of Parco's book have you read? I read the acknowledgement. Yeah. Got as far as the acknowledgement, they put it in the bin. <laughs> nope, you're not in there. What? You're not in there. I'm sorry. I've got to check with you're in, whether you're in my Kindle library. <laughs> then, in, in that case, and if you are, we're going to work out how to uh, delete it. Who is in there then? Who do you acknowledge uh, here? I've got uh, the founder of uh, Club Penguin, who also runs uh, Adventure John Capitalist. Jordan? What? John Jordan. He answered a question I had, a specific... We could have answered we, any... What questions have you got? Ask us anything Anything now. you like. Uh, why is Fortnite so successful? Because of its uh, base layer. <laughs> <laughs> Something other loop. Right, okay. How do I find a publisher? Well, there's one sound in front of you. <laughs> So okay. go on a radio station with one. Well, That's not exactly. great advice for your listeners. I see there's a typo at the end there. You've got your, you've got your full stop outside the brackets. <laughs> oh, oh, Americans. I had a whole argument with Americans about where full stop should go on brackets. They told me it was British usage. Okay. I told them it wasn't. Right, fair enough. Mm. Oh, We're I still l- arguing about that. <laughs> 
All right, time for reviews. Shall we do it? Let's do it. What have you been playing, Simon Byron? Well, um, something exciting happened during the show last week, didn't it? Thanks to Richard Ledbetter and his HD eyes, who said that Red Dead Redemption looked the very best on Xbox One X. Mm. I've been thinking about making the move up to the sort of, uh, not the next generation, the in-between generation. Is that because you're cheap? Uh, no, but that's because it's not out yet, is it? We've got the Xbox One oh, sorry, and then yes, the Xbox okay. One X, which is a little step up. Okay, so you're gonna... not cheap, yeah. I'm not. I'm £400. Yeah, yeah, expensive. Um, so I bought an Xbox One X. Uh, what they didn't tell me when I ordered it was that um, it wouldn't arrive until the end of November. But the, <laughs> but the game, true to their word, arrived the following day. <laughs> so I had the first I mean, actually, I could have played it on my Xbox One X. Uh, then, good news got a message from Amazon saying saying I'll be here tomorrow oh fantastic and what's here it was in here for, for the time in time for the weekend uh, so I played Red Dead Redemption on the Xbox One X how many times did you shoot somebody in the face when you meant to talk to them well I've not played very much of it actually <laughs> um, uh, what I can't tell you is that uh, my son um, has played was, he's been he's been monopolising the open world bit so I've said to him you can just mess around on a horse you know I don't want you doing any of the missions and stuff so he's been playing that he's been he's been accidentally punching a horse he's been giggling about how much the uh, horse has been um, defecating <laughs> very funny to a 10 year old um, when he punches it or just generally no just generally no, just okay. in the background as well it's in cutscenes yeah but yeah I mean what so then I uh, last night I played through bits that um, we played previously I've just got myself to the first camp um, it is clunky and it is the, you know the characters moving very slowly the UI is appalling I mean it really is bad that you need to hold down one button then move another then hold another one down then release the first one that you've done in order mm-hmm. to put a bandana on it's not how it you was want to do all. that all the time as oh, well, exactly. don't you? Put it up. But crikey, what a world! What what an accomplishment! Um, yeah, very very early on, but I think um, I think it's going to be a game I'm going to be dipping into for a very 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 long time. All those hundred hour weeks were worth it. Well, <laughs> exactly. Um, for Steve, from that, for the, all, yeah. the, the Victorians had a yeah. special word for a horse doing those things, or specifically weeing. Staling was a okay. particular really? word which right. they used right. just right. for that. Okay, well, they, 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 the horses stale very well, <laughs> indeed. Um, yeah, so I've been enjoying that. I've been enjoying the Xbox One X and just sort of messing around and the um, yeah, seeing seeing all uh, the new HDR stuff. It's uh, it's it's very very impressive. What's different about the the Xbox then? What's what's it's very really, heavy? Is that it? Yeah, we've got a camera on our house on our property, Steve. So don't yeah. think of turning right, up unannounced. Right, okay. um, when the when the Amazon man came, you can see him sort of shifting. He's trying to hold it up and <laughs> ring the doorbell. I sent the, I sent the gif of it to my son. This is what happened in modern day. I sent that gif to my son. Yeah. Uh, going, guess what's here? And he emailed back, going, Is it the Xbox? <laughs> like, yeah, look how heavy it looks on the Amazon man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know it's the, it's my first 4K machine. So it's um, you know early early days. Do you, do you notice the difference in the step up to four? Yeah, I do actually. Although uh, he said that he didn't. He thought the fours looked exactly the same. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. Even thought so. Yeah. He's wrong. <laughs> Seven out of ten. Interesting. Nicholas, I've been playing Hearthstone. Oh, Have you? I've been playing Hearthstone. What is Hearthstone? Hearthstone, it's like Magic the Gathering for casuals. Okay. It's uh, it's kind of... Uh, it's it, Blizzard does what it always does. It takes a thing that was kind of popular at quite a large niche, whether or not it's an open-world RPG or whether or not it's a, a card game thing, and go, I know, I can make it so normal people can play this. Mm. And um, and that's what Hearthstone is. Did okay. you review this last time you were on the Probably. show? Almost certainly. Probably. Okay. And um, the other thing which has happened, which I am totally amazed by, is that I've started 
started not only watching streamers in order to get better at Hearthstone, so now I don't play it anymore because I, you know, just kind of watch, but I've even watched an eSport. And I've never voluntarily watched a sport of any type okay. uh, ever in history. And my nine-year-old and I tuned in to watch the Hearthstone Championship Finals because I actually understood what was going on. And my favourite um, YouTuber was um, broadcasting it, was casting it, Brian Kibler. So actually I had some connection with an individual there and I chose to watch it. So in fact, I say I've been playing Hearthstone. I've basically been watching Hearthstone <laughs> and not playing video games. There's an indictment on modern video game culture. Are you, are you not tempted? So you know you love Hearthstone. Are you not? Have you not been tempted to get involved in any of the other Hearthstone-like uh, games? So I tried Duelist for a bit, which is a sort of indie crowdfunded mm. uh, version, and. I, I hate to say this because I like to support indie mm-hmm. indie games, but the simplicity of the polish of the UI of Hearthstone. I mean, the Hearthstone team, the Blizzard team generally put massive effort into making sure you don't make those mistakes that you were talking about in Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. I just found the Duelist stuff just a bit too difficult to understand. Right, <coughs> and it's pixel art, which meant that, which is fine. I'm I'm all in favour of pixel art. But it meant that sometimes trying to understand the five different statuses which were applying to this particular card you place, whatever, was just too difficult to understand. So I've tried. And my brother uh, played a lot of Magic the Gathering in another game. I think it was called Jihad back in the game, back in the day. What about that Witcher one? Isn't there a Witcher Witcher card game? Yeah, Yeah, it's just launched on Steam. It's been. Uh, have you been able to play it in the game or something? Because I've heard a lot about it for a long time. Too, it's far too, too sexy. sexy. It is yeah. too sexy, Steve. You know, sexy. you know what I get like. That's why I'm interested in this. Sexy cards. Okay. <laughs> Could be better. <laughs> you know what you like. What What have you... Oh, sorry, score for Hearthstone? 7 out of 10. Uh, what have you been playing, Stephen? I've been playing loads. Loads and loads and loads of things. Although... Um, Steam's Steam's mobile app has just chosen this moment to stop working. However, mm-hmm. I can remember what I've been playing. Great. I've been playing Donut County. Okay. Do you know what Donut County is? is? I do know what Donut County is. Everyone was raving about it about a month ago. Mm, and I was too busy to play it then, but I've played it now. Uh, Donut County is kind of an inverse Katamari. Is that the sort of thing that people were saying a month ago? Yeah. yeah. So you uh, essentially, you control a small hole on the ground, which is every boy's dream. <laughs> you can sm- <laughs> and by moving the hole around uh, around the floor, on the plane of the, uh, of the floor of whatever environment, you can cause objects to drop in the hole. And counterintuitively, that makes the hole go bigger. What? I know, you'd think it'd fill the hole, but it doesn't. It makes the hole get bigger. And so then you can swallow bigger objects. And slowly you end up swallowing bigger and bigger and bigger objects. Start off with rocks, you finish with whole houses and villages, I imagine. I haven't got that far. Uh, It is a brilliant idea. It is executed so well. The polish on the game and the charm is just phenomenal. The script is great. Uh, And I just loved every moment I spent in it. The art design is fantastic as well. Um, I can't recommend it highly enough. Is it out on Switch yet? No, it's not. I wish I got it on Switch. So I probably will rebuy it on Switch because it's absolutely brilliant. Um, What else have I played? Did I talk about Lethal League Blaze? I did. I talked about that last week, didn't I? You did. Um, There was something else I wanted to talk about. What might have played? What sounds like me? Well, according to Steam, sexy cards. Yeah. Sexy cards. Uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> um, I played a game called called Kai Huen's Overlapped Universe. Okay. Because 
I know about you, but I if someone puts their name at the start of a game, I'm 100% in. Because I'm like, you're pointing your name to this. Wow. You've got to see value in it. Anyway, it feels a, it feels a bit like a, a student project. Maybe it is. Uh, it's a very interesting setup. It's like three overlapping universes, uh, which you can switch between, and that's how you move through the world. Uh, it, it, the UI is terrible, and I gave up after 10 minutes because I was confused about the buttons I'm pressing and what I have to do. Uh, ended up jumping against the door. That rebounded me through the roof of a space station, and I couldn't get out of that. Seven out of ten. <laughs> I recommend Kim Kardashian's Hollywood based on what you just said. <laughs> Thanks, Nicholas. Good. Uh, whilst we were chatting, so I wasn't paying full attention uh-huh. to you, uh, both your reviews. I was just calling up The Curve on uh, my Kindle account because I bought it. Of course. Supports your friends. Thank you. Just going through the acknowledgements of that, actually. I wrote those before I came on the show, before I knew you well, Simon. But you're you're sending this to the printers after you've been on the radio show at least twice, possibly three times. There are some uh, serial acknowledgements, I notice. Some people crop up twice. Uh, interestingly in here, uh, so yeah. Uh, Who crops up twice? Well, Ian Livingston's in this one as well. Jazz is in this one. My wife's in them both. Uh, well, at obviously. the start, of course, I haven't read the, de- the dedication. Unless you want to change the dedications. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, we can start talking about those, uh, Nicholas. Um Tony Gowland's in here. He's been acknowledged in the curve. Good for him. What did Tony do for you? That was five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> he probably read it and gave feedback on specific we issues. Happy That's to what give I feedback on. This <laughs> looks brilliant. <laughs> How's that? Stick to you. Excellent. If you want to give me a puff quote, then you'll go in the acknowledgement. That's that's like that's like radio payola. Hey, seven out of ten. Thank you. <laughs> Didn't Parker on his book have like an after acknowledgement or an after dedication as I well. Don't know, I only I think to on the, the final. Oh, the the That's the thing you could think of. Just at, just on the after your readers have finished when they've read the index. Like, right, like, line like, line. like a second one, like a Marvel <laughs> kind of uh, Ooh, kind of. You've yeah. got to stick to the very end. <laughs> That's a good idea. Put us in the index. Yeah, we could do, and then we could pop up in other. We can be other <laughs> spin-offs <laughs> in the books, etc. Good. Thanks for coming on, Nicholas. It's always a pleasure. Why don't you come on more often? I'd write love more to. books, more frequently. I'll write more books. I'll make more games, yeah, and then to, I'll come back. Okay. Thank you very much. The game jam or nothing like that, did we? Um, That's okay. It will take us a whole other year to get it. We've got about a minute. Well, I was just so. How can our listeners keep up with your work? So uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, Nicholas Lovell on Twitter or Games Brief, which is my uh, more business focused thing. Or visit www.gamesbrief.com. Okay. Best and look, buy my books. Uh, buy your books. Are you, having a, you. are you having a party? I don't know. I need to know when it's coming out first. I need okay. to finish it before you arrange the party. Okay. Well, Book Mariochi. What rhymes <laughs> with? What rhymes <laughs> with the pyramid of game design? <laughs> There must be something to do with pyramids somewhere. There must be. We'll find it, but it'll cost you. <laughs> it will cost you An yeah. acknowledgement, maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for this. We'll, we'll, do it. we'll, we'll write you a song for acknowledgement. Yeah. <laughs> done. done. It is done. Yeah, and uh, what else um, will we do? <laughs> I mean, well, almost we'll, anything. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll sing it at the next Marioki, which is uh, a week on Friday. Uh, it's our last free event of the year, so... Uh, if you are listening to One Life Left, please come to Marioki Friday at the Loading Bar. See you there. Uh, best of luck, uh, Anne. I hope you're feeling better yeah, soon. Get well soon. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>